whenever my world falls apart I never lose hope or lose heart Whatever the form of the storm that may brew Not with you to lean on, darlings, you Hello and welcome to The Original Cast, a podcast about original cast albums and the people who love them. I'm Patrick Flynn. My guest today, he acts, he writes, he podcasts, he does many things. It's Paul Keola, everybody. Hey, thanks for having me. Thank you for being had. It is it is so nice to meet you. Uh, on in Well, I was about to say in person, but you know, whatever this is. Uh, right, but it, whatever the Zoom equivalent of in person is. Right. Paul is is one half of the podcast um, that aged well, which is how that is we correct. we met. Um, I have already recorded the episode with Erica, your co-host. However, through a, a series of scheduling machinations, it will actually air well after this one. So, oh, okay, <laughs> I have to remember that as we talk about it, <laughs> so, because, <laughs> just to make sure we do definitely talk about. That age yeah. well, and uh, and all the wonderful things you guys talk about on there. But before we get to that age well and all that stuff, you're here to talk about Kimberly Akimbo. It's Saturday night at Skater Planet. The Zamboni's on the ice, so we hang around here waiting. All the actions at the mall, but we'd rather be here skating. So in, in another weird scheduling machination, uh, mm-hmm. this episode is being recorded well before the Tony Awards. It will air after the Tony Awards. So. <laughs> that makes sense. That's the that's the joy of podcasting. Exactly. So the, the show, as we as we chat, is nominated for I believe nine eight. Tony Awards, eight eight Tony Awards. I believe it's eight. Musical, actress, featured actor, featured actress, direction, book, score, costumes. Yes, eight. And uh, is, I would guess, the favorite to win Best Musical? I can say that this is maybe the first time ever in my life I have seen all five Best Musical nominees. Wow. Uh, Because I am, after the pandemic, this is like my, this is really my year where it was like, all right, I'm going back to the theater. (laughs) We're doing this. And it's, you know, everything. And it is my my personal favorite, not casting dispersions on anyone else's wonderful work sure uh but this is the one this is what i would vote for okay all right well non-tony voter paul right the keola block is strong behind kimberly akimbo um which again you that listening at home it already happened and I, what i'll do you is know. actually in case you don't know if you're like some kind of casual you know you don't know what you don't follow the tonys i'll drop in here whether you know which tonys it won and then you Should can follow bet how many it's gonna win of the eight? Ooh, good yeah. question. Yes. Should we try to predict? Let's try to predict. Let's see. I think it's going to win. I think it's a lock for three. I'm going to say it's going to win four. I was thinking it was going to win. I think it'll win Best Musical, Best Actress, Best Featured Actress. And I think it'll win score. I would probably be happy with it winning Featured Actor and Book as well. But I think they'll want to spread the, mm, okay. spread the spread the love a little bit outside of that. Okay, that would be my guess. That'd be your guess. Okay, so yeah. you're also saying four. I'm saying four, and I'm I even naming you, which four. You've picked a different four. That's the thing. <laughs> okay. But then I did. But I'm, yeah, I'm not naming my four either. I did. Uh, okay. So now I'll drop in a little postscript to let everybody know what it won. If it won anything, I guess it could have gotten shut out. At the Tony Awards given on June 11th, 2023, Kimberly Akimbo walked away with five Tony Awards for Best Score, Best Supporting Actress, Bonnie Milligan, Best Book of a Musical, Best Leading Actress, Victoria Clark, and Best Musical. There was much rejoicing. Okay, and there it is. Thank you. Thank you, future Patrick. Um, So, (laughs) Paul, Mm -hmm. how did Kimberly Akimbo come into your life? Kimberly Akimbo actually first came into my life as a play when I was oh, in okay. theater school. I got mm-hmm. assigned to do a scene from it as the Seth character who I'm 
almost positively Jeff. named Jeff in the play. Okay. Jeff, yes, <laughs> in the original play. Yeah. And then, so I did that. And then um, I, I loved the play and I did a monologue that I kind of pieced together from it for a long time mm, when mm-hmm. I was auditioning, when I was, when I was still young enough to pull it off. <laughs> um, and then this was, it was not the first show I saw coming back to the pandemic. The first show, so the first one I saw was actually uh, Carolina Change, another Janine Tesori ah, all right. uh, uh, joint. Sure. Uh, but then this was one I saw very early. It got great reviews and I knew I loved the play. I was like, oh, let's go see it at the Atlantic. And I, I really liked it. And then it made the transfer to Broadway. And I was like, I really liked it. Should I go see it again? And then I wanted my mom to see it. So I brought my mother to see it. And the second time I saw it, I had better seats. I'm very short and I was way in the back the first time I saw mm-hmm. it. So it was mm-hmm. kind of hard to see. And, the, and Broadway I actually saw it in the front row mezzanine. Oh, wow. And about mm, halfway through the second act, I just started crying. And then I just cried the rest of the show. And in, in the great words of Truvy from Steel Magnolias, laughter through tears is my favorite emotion. And that was essentially <laughs> what I was experiencing the entire time. And I, I just think it's a, a beautiful piece of work that just right. really accomplishes something. Yeah, I mean, it, it is, like you say, it's a Janine Tesori joint. Of the seven musicals of hers that I am familiar with, uh, the only thing consistent in them is that they're good. Yeah. Like, it is a really fascinating, you know, I don't think this is a, it's got, it's a big comparison and I don't want to do like, I don't want it to be over, over, to over exaggerate, but her, her desire and ability to switch topics mm-hmm. and, um and collaborators is really Sondheim-esque. If you look at like the diversity of her subject matter is like, he's the only other person I can think of who rivals her for just all different kinds of subjects, different kinds of characters um, and different set, like genres, settings, all that stuff. She, she's so, really all over the place. It's so funny that you say that because I was, I, I was doing a really like close read of it in preparation mm-hmm. for this. So I was listening to it while like looking up the lyrics online to make sure I wasn't missing things. And there was just a couple lyrics and a couple moments in it that I would like, I was like, that's like Stephen Sondheim. The only person who did that before her was Stephen Sondheim. Mm-hmm. The way the music tells you what the emotion is and, or undercuts the emotion sometimes, or like, it, like the, all those little itty bitty choices. And I, I'm not a music theory person at all. I don't, I, I only kind of listen and feel things. I don't understand sure. what they're doing. <laughs> but but like even the different qualities of the three lead women and their voices and the mm-hmm. way that, you know, you have you have Deborah belting and then you have this lyric soprano as a 16 year old. And then uh, the, the mom, Deb, uh, uh, Patty, Ali Mazi, yes. I'm not sure how to say her name, mm-hmm. it, she's doing this thing. And I've never heard her voice before. So this could be natural where she almost sounds a little young. So mm-hmm. if you were listening to it and you didn't know the story, you would think that Victoria Clark was the mom and, right. and the other, and she was the daughter and that's not true. And it all just informs everything about the story so much. And it's like, I was listening to it. And it made me cry listening to the cast recording. I'm a really easy mark. So it's not a huge accomplishment, but like <laughs> Erica is a much dif- more difficult cry than I am. Sure. <laughs> well, I having seen it. Of course you'd have the muscle memory for like what yeah. actually is occurring in that, mm-hmm. in that moment. Um, yeah, I think it's probably before we go any further, I think it's okay. important that the audience who may not be familiar with the show know sure. what it's about because as we say, like Janine Tesori's topics have ranged from, you know, a, a young girl with a huge scar on her face to a, mm-hmm. uh, you know, housekeeper in, in, in Louisiana and New Orleans in the, in the fifties to thoroughly modern Millie, however you summarize <laughs> that Shrek Shrek to fun home. <laughs> and so yeah. what, what is, can you give the people kind of a quick overview of what Kimberly Akimbo is about? Yeah, it's, it's about Kimberly. Huh? Mm-hmm. Surprise. Yeah. Uh, she's a 16 year old girl. She has a rare genetic disorder that causes her to age much more quickly than uh, a, a typical human would. And so her life expectancy is about 16. Yes. And her 16th birthday takes place in the course of this show. Yeah. And this, this, this disorder that she has has affected her family in many ways. And I mean, they didn't have a far way to go before becoming really bonkers. But yeah. her mother is a hypochondriac narcissist. Her father is, is a drunk. Her aunt is a con woman and uh, just... And probably another narcissist too, if you get right down to yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. And and she's surrounded by these extremely flawed 
adult figures and she parents them for a lot of it and she's dying. I know it doesn't sound funny, but it's really funny. <laughs> well, that's the thing is that it really, so we have also, I mean, and so Janine Tesori has chosen for this, for, for her collaborator, the, the, the man who wrote the play upon which mm-hmm. this is based, uh, David Lindsay Abair, Pulitzer Prize winner for Rabbit Hole, which is a play about a dead child, obviously, like not, you know, not known for his light comedy necessarily, yeah. but, and it is really funny because the characters are all children. Yep. They're the broadest, like it really has a lot in it of the very clever idea of being like, this is a play about a, you know, a musical about a woman who ages four times as rapidly as everyone else, basically, is the sort mm-hmm. of the bit of it. It's it, it's not actually, di- you know, it's, it's kind of a made up disease for the musical. Yeah. It's not progeria, but it's it's in that vein. But they're very clear that it's not not a real, it's kind of in the fantastical realm. But because of that, you're dealing with, you know, she's 16, but she looks like she's in her her 60s. And then her parents, like you say, are children. Like they're yep. just absolute arrested development children. <laughs> yeah. And they're and then they're talking to the baby. They're making videos for the baby because <laughs> Patty is pregnant. She's like, her mother is pregnant. And she's they're making videos for the baby throughout. And these videos are just like the wildest. Darling, you have to defend me. You have to tell them that I was a lovely person. Caring and thoughtful and funny and that you have the tapes to prove it. It's them. The ones who are going to tell you lies about me don't believe a word they say, not a word. To be continued, goodbye, darling, mommy loves you. The mom character, Patty, is... Oh, my gosh. I mean, the aunt and the father are, are pieces of work too, but the mom. No, is, but Patty's the secret sauce, man. She <laughs> is she is wild when she, she has a line in it because you know she's trying to be a better mom and she says something to the effect of like. Do you remember what you said? How I reminded you of that story you read, and at first I felt kind of thrilled till you explained who my dear had killed. I thought to myself, that can't be good for a daughter to say. And I thought to myself, I should do this another way. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's very bad. It's yeah. very, very bad. Yeah. She, and she has a lot of stuff. I mean, she's so like, she, I don't know. It's just, it's so, it's such an interesting exploration of this idea of what are kids and what are adults yeah and also how people respond to trauma yeah i think is a really ripe subject for drama and for musicals specifically because music can do that thing of like like you say people can be talking about one thing but the music can make it very clear that they that, that like this is not fine and, and right. that something else is under something else is underneath this and we don't know what it is yet um and, and it also it also allows that the, when the the parents have these songs that I mean there's the baby uh, videos which are terrible but like right. they each kind of have a have a defining song that makes you like them like mm-hmm. their actions are still terrible yeah. but they each have these big moments where you're like oh you had a daughter when you were 16 years old and she had this horrible disorder and you yeah. have absolutely no tools with which to deal with any of this Mm -mm. and you're doing your best you're failing horribly but you are actually doing your best (laughs) yeah that is i don't remember what you're you're absolutely right there's a moment late in act two where you kind of do realize or maybe it's in middle beginning of act two where you kind of realize these people really are trying as hard as they possibly can (laughs) and like it's funny and it's sad in the same breath where you're just like wow you, I mean, you people are terrible, but like yeah. you really are trying. You think, and you know, you're not succeeding. It's probably, <laughs> yeah. it's probably right around the the probably right around the inevitable turn that, that yes. song, where you're sort of just like, yeah, it's like 
this is all just going to go badly at some point, and we all know it's going to go badly, but we and right. we can't help it, but we yeah. try not to, and we don't want to hurt each other, yeah. but that's just how we're built. <laughs> as soon as the first act ends on a really hopeful note with Kimberly saying, I will believe, you're like, right. oh, that doesn't bode well. <laughs> Isn't that such an, I want to, like, there's so much to talk about in the show. We are going to hop yeah. around a lot, but like, because it's it's an album, and that's that's yeah. how we, we operate. But like, I you expect a show like this about, when the lead character has some kind of disease Mm -hmm. that act one ends with the, like everything going well. And then the disease suddenly rears its early head, it's ugly head. And everybody has to like go super dramatic. And we end on this kind of cliffhanger and it doesn't, it ends on this incredibly hopeful note of like, no, this time it might work out this time. It might go well, (laughs) but you just know it won't like, like well just, there's an act two so right. not looking good probably not probably yeah. not gonna go so right and you don't really know at that point even what um the scheme is that they're all about to get trapped no, into it's I funny because I, yeah. I i knew you were going to ask for the for the synopsis and i was like i it's not there's not twists in it there's just reveals that right. like you know i some of them are some of them are on the album some of them aren't and and mm-hmm. they're just <laughs> it's there's that thing where if you're watching a a play or a musical and and the suspension of disbelief that the audience is willing to go through is so much higher than in a movie or a TV show. Or you just, you know, like the lights come up and there's a sign on the stage that says Poland, 1963. And everyone's like, right. okay, we're in Poland, 1963. And like, yeah. this guy's in love with a goat, right? Great. Okay. This guy's in love with the goat. We'll go with that. You know? And, and this, this show, I think takes real advantage of that because you just take everything the absolutely insane reason that they have moved to this town in New Jersey comes out in the middle of a song and act right. two and is barely discussed late in the show. <laughs> yeah. That's and that's in the song, the inevitable turn. Like it comes, it yeah. really comes. You don't like it's, it's that thing, but it's also, it's a lot like parents and kids. You yeah. get information when Kimberly gets the information, basically yes. like that's the sort of the way it is. Like we see, characters all have like you say step and sing you know park and bark moments and we learn about them early we learn how they feel about themselves but those plot points all come out when kimberly discovers it Mm -hmm. and it is like being a child and suddenly you realize what's actually going on and you realize how characters actually feel about each other and like how actually traumatic these things are because like you say, like the first, tw- it's, it's not really a twist exactly, but I mean, the first thing where it's like Deborah, who is uh, their, uh, their aunt um, who is played by uh, the fantastical uh, Bonnie Milligan, if I may Great, say. Good Bonnie Milligan. Uh, I just listened to her episode on Therapy uh, Modern Millie. Well, they, exactly right. Oh, that's, and I didn't even realize that. That's a Janine Tesori connection. Check that crap out. Um, look at me. That's synergy. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, but, I mean, Bonnie's amazing. And and I'm so excited. She, she's she gotten a part here that like is really suiting oh, yeah. all her talents and she's getting all the recognition for it. Uh, but Aunt Deborah is this sort of like in act one is kind of this like funny, fun, ne'er-do-well kind of. But, mm-hmm. but like then in act two, when it becomes a check kiting scheme, you're just sort of like, wait a minute, this is a federal crime. We're all committing. <laughs> that she's roping a bunch of minors into. A bunch of teenagers into. And- and and it's all you know. It's like this isn't on the album, but you know Kim's birthday comes in, in the show, and she's the one who remembers it. The, both mm, the parents mm-hmm. forget her birthday, and Deborah remembers it. She's like, you know what day it is, and they both ignore her because they're both completely obsessed with themselves. But right. so they're all given these colors, and then she starts this check cashing scheme, and you're like, and and, and that that song is like this burlesque stripteasey sound and i, oh, I yeah. think bonnie milligan is definitely doing like a sexy thing like take the check out <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> do I it right it. it's like this is practically gypsy rosalie but with teenagers right. with teenagers <laughs> and 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 check washing and, uh, and really takes that again in the hands of a lesser composer that's and like four just popped into my head but i'm not gonna like i'm not here to burn anybody so we're just gonna we're just gonna move on but it would be a very straightforward comedic show but when you get that reprise of nobody gets what they want or everybody gets what they want with that Mm -hmm. those harmonies and that and that kick it really has a different kind of meaning to it it's still very catchy it's a fun number it's a good like let's kick off act two with a with a song and you know with a dance and everything but like it is it's such a there's it's kind of ominous in the way she's yeah. she's set it up and which is good 
because it's a federal crime. Like we said. Yeah, well, and so and you they, never they lose the, the stakes of it. Yeah. And they do the twist where it's like, and everybody's going to jail. And you're like, wait, what? Yeah, right. <laughs> Soak the checky in the solvent. Where'd the ink go? Ooh. Out of sight. Dry the check off. Forge the handcuff. To Seth Wheatus. Wait, what? Do it right. Did you say Seth Wheatus? Or everybody ends up in jail. Oh, God. Everybody ends up in jail. Tell me. Everybody ends up in jail. Everybody ends up in jail. But again, it doesn't ever take, it exists in this kind of wonderful netherworld where the where things are so extreme. So the characters are really, yes. one thing this show is not is earnest. It doesn't no. have any like, I was about to say it doesn't have every moment's precious. It does, but it it doesn't get there until sort of the very, very, very end of the show. It gets mm-hmm. to every moment's precious. So live life to the fullest. And by the time you're there, it's really earned that moment. It's you oh probably, yeah, that's what you you've been waiting sort of the whole show for Kimberly to do that to like yeah. sort of break out and just be like, you people are nuts. Uh-huh. Like we're gonna I'm do, out. I'm out. I'm gonna do it my way. Cause it doesn't matter. Cause I'm going to die soon. Yeah. Like, and it's also soon. like every yeah. moment's precious because most moments suck. Yes. Like, like that's the, that's the, oh, yeah. the acid in the suite to, to uh, cut through it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and she makes a big, I don't want to jump to the end quite yet, like, but like, okay. but it is, it, but I, well, I kind of don't know. We're here. It's kind of weird. It, it's sort of like the, 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 the growth that she goes through. It, it's so funny that like you have a character, it's very typical in the sort of dramas where you have the teenager and the dysfunctional family who's forced to be the adult. Mm-hmm. But what this show gives you is the teenager and the family who's forced to be the adult who also looks like an adult, like looks <laughs> uh-huh. like, and looks older than everybody else. on the, and yeah. it, I mean, the actor is obviously older than everyone else on the stage. And it creates such a great visual uh, aesthetic to the whole mm-hmm. thing. Like you say, where she's like, she's just so out of place. And you never, ever forget the fact that like, Something is wrong. Like no matter how yeah. sweet it gets with Seth, uh, her her love interest who loves anagrams, or uh, any of her sort of other misfit friends or any of that, no matter how nice it gets, there's always this feeling throughout the whole thing that like this is this is bad. Like this, something, something is askew. Something isn't right here, as they say, yeah. and bring it on the musical. Um, it just doesn't. Yeah, something's something's off. And yeah. she she I think. The growth she goes through is also sort of the growth we go through as the audience watching the show of realizing exactly what's wrong. Because the problem, you know, you're sort of like, well, the problem is the disease. Like, that's the problem. Mm -hmm. She's sick. But that's not the problem. (laughs) Yeah. No. No. That's a problem. But it's a problem. problem. That's her problem. It's really like, that's not everyone's problem. That's just Kimberly's problem. And there's no answer to that problem. Right. So, like, what are you going to do? There's other problems going on. And they're. That we can hope fixable. for better from. Yeah. Right. We can fix a lot of these problems. Like we this can't is a show fix... about drawing boundaries between you and your parents if needed. Yes. <laughs> and between and also, but between like, I think it's also in a lot of ways a show about not wallowing in self-pity. And yeah, well, not being like, it didn't go the way I wanted it to go. So huh, you know, it's like yeah. that, like, no, you gotta you can always do something, even if time is short, as it is yeah. with Kimberly. And I was talking with my sister this past week about a topic that has nothing to do with Kimberly Akimbo, but she gave me this quote that was, uh, trauma is going to happen in your life and it will change you, but it doesn't have to define you. Mm -hmm. And like, I feel like that's the lesson that Kimberly learns that like, okay, my life's going to be short and that's going to suck, but what are we going to do with the life that I have? Mm -hmm. Because no one gets a second time around, right? Like that's it. Mm -hmm. So do what you can. Right. And she, and, and then she goes off and does, and that's yeah, where we sort she of, sure does. You know, um, and yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> I was going to say like the, the, the song that pops in, like that really knocked me for six. I think when I was listening to the album is uh, happy for her. Oh, okay. Her dad's song um, where his inner monologue about, about Kimberly and Seth's burgeoning teenage relationship. And What's, you know, what we know about Buddy, her dad at that point is that he's an alcoholic. He's a bad guy. Mm -hmm. There's a, but he's also 
there, there's some there's some kind of urgency and weirdness in his inner monologue that we don't understand until much later. Like you say, we mm-hmm. understand that that Patty got pregnant when they were kids, and like that's what led to all this. So he's he's sort of on heightened alert for yeah. for teenage sexual activity. But does he have to be so weird? And does he have to talk so much? And do they have to sit so close? And do their kneecaps have to touch? Why is he sitting in the front? Why is his tuba in the back? Jesus, buddy, take a breath. He's just a harmless brainy hick. Hey, you guys want to share my muffin? Nope, no food in my car. What are you doing? That was my breakfast. But... At the time, you don't know that. It's just this kind of weird song about this guy abusing and like, embarrassing Completely his daughter. Completely overreacting <laughs> to out. his daughter. Like, throwing being... the kid's muffin out the window. <laughs> yeah. And again, uh-huh. the song's so much fun. In the hands of a lesser composer, it would be kind of a weird little moment. But it is genuinely, yeah. it's just genuinely enjoyable. It's a bop, and, but it's hilarious. And it, and it even makes you like like him a little bit because like they mm-hmm. her parents that the stuff isn't included on the show but they they say some horrible things to her <laughs> that oh, just yeah. like carelessly horrible things that like when you're in the audience you hear the audience go oh when yeah. they say these things and this is like okay i don't think this is good behavior but this is at least somewhat in the realm of normalcy of what any parent would probably feel if they saw their child like having a first crush or something right like there's i can at least mm-hmm. understand where this is coming from well and it's a weirdly typical moment in yes. this otherwise very untypical uh life that kimberly has where her dad is worried i guess that she's going to get pregnant even though like i, I mean i don't know like it, it seems kind of a weird thing to care about when there's so much else so much else is going on she also says in the show i went through menopause four years ago i was so. yeah right exactly <laughs> like that was i was sort of thinking like i don't mean to be a dick but can she get like is that an option i don't i don't i don't know like it is canonically not in the uh, in yeah. the show <laughs> so, like i don't he but he's just it's such a, a an odd it, it's almost comforting how like banal yes. that moment is that he's just like no, you're not, you know, stop flirting, get out of my car. Like, you can't do this. I'm her dad, leave her alone. Mm-hmm. And it's just such a weirdly typical teenage <laughs> in this otherwise wild show where you're just like, yeah, yeah, that's pretty. Okay. I got it. Yeah. That worked, you know, again, like you say, it's comforting almost the buddy like, okay, I see, I see that side of him. Yeah. And then well, Patty's song too, father time, father time is probably my favorite song in sure. the show. Cause it, sure. it is, it, it's one of the more, um, kind of simple songs because it starts mm-hmm. with a lullaby and then and it just kind of has it has a switch in the middle where she's no longer singing her in utero baby to sleep and she's now singing about please don't let my other kid die which right. is you know coming yeah and it's it's this very human understandable emotion and you're like oh this woman is not medusa mm-hmm. she is actually just an extremely flawed person who who just has no tools to deal with the horrible situation that she's in. Yes. And is also a narcissist and a hypochondriac, but, but like you feel bad, you feel bad for her. And, and mm-hmm. at the end, not to skip to the end again, but there's this great song where, where, where Kimberly is singing about, you have to let me go. Yeah. You have to let me go. And the parents start singing back and, and Patty is singing the father time refrain again. And buddy is singing, Oh, there's so much time. And it's all the stuff that they've sang to their to the not yet born baby. And then there's a moment, and I don't know if this is in my head, but in my head where they switch and he turns and he says, see the world to Kimberly. And she, mm-hmm. and Patty says, baby wants to play. And they kind of let her go. And they actually do the right thing. The last act that they do in the show is the right thing to do in that moment. And you just feel so proud of them. You're like, oh my God, you may have progressed one step right. <laughs> forward. <laughs> the teeniest little step yeah. in the entire world. Yeah. Because what's so what's so shocking to me, having come into this show, is that you expect also in a show about a, a, someone who has a sick child, that one of the plot points is going to be that one of the parents is going to be super overly protective of the child yeah. and like is stifling their life. And like, that's something they're going to have to, that is not, nobody is doing that. Nobody nope. is overly, in fact, people could stand to be a tiny bit more worried about what Kimberly's getting up to. Kimberly's fine. Everyone else is crumbling. Right. <laughs> Constantly. And it is that, and it's also like, I, what, what's also so much fun is that you have like Patty being such a narcissist 
and Buddy being sort of a like, you know, kind of aloof kind of character. And then when Deborah comes in as the sort of like, listen, you just got to do stuff like that's mm-hmm. the whole point and And don't worry about the consequences. And you get these three great different points of view on dealing with the fact that your life's not great. Yeah. And but what's so funny is that each of them has their excellent little piece of darkness on top of it with like uh-huh. P- Patty's sort of like, don't listen to their lies about me. I'm a really good person. Like you have to defend me. Like she's putting I'm probably going to be dead. That was so confusing. Like the first time yeah. I heard this album, like when she kicks off the baby video, being like, and I'm probably going to be dead when you see this. Yeah. I was like, wait, why? And I was sort of like really reading through the plots and I was be like, no, she's fine. She's, she's just fine. Completely she's fine. completely out of her mind. <laughs> yeah. There's nothing wrong with her except mentally. (laughs) Well, right. No, yes. She doesn't have anything. No, but that's the thing. It's like, but like you said, if you didn't know the show, you would expect. Yeah. That's what, that's what Kimberly should be saying to her sister. Sister is Mm -hmm. like, when you see this, I may not be alive anymore. And like, and that's fine. You know, whatever you say. Yeah. Not her mom showing (laughs) baby videos. It's so wild. Uh Uh-huh. What year does this thing take place in, by the way? Uh, late nineties. It is late nineties. Okay. It's late nineties. Yeah. Okay. There's a, which is when I think the play was originally written. Yeah. 2000, 2001. Something like that. Okay. Mm -hmm. So it just takes place in that, in that period. Um, that's good. I I really had a lot of like, it definitely doesn't take place now, (laughs) but I couldn't quite figure out when we, when we were exactly. We have a camcorder and not an iPhone. So that puts us somewhere. (laughs) Well, nobody has phones. Nobody has any of that sort of like, uh, any of those, those situations. So, uh, Paul, you're a you're a big theater guy and, and movie do. guy, obviously, and pop culture guy, as is as is evidenced by uh, by that age. Well, um, oh, thank you. Your your podcast with Erica, but uh, so how did you get into theater, film, writing, comedy, TV, all of it? How Ooh. did you? How did you? Yeah, what was your what was your gateway? Uh, my gateway was when I was six years old. I went to see my babysitter in the local musical uh, high school production of Barnum. Wow. And Barnum. I, oh my Barnum. gosh. Okay. And I was listen to the my, band. Yeah, exactly. Uh my mother said I don't really remember it, but my mother said like I was completely transfixed the entire time. <laughs> and then I remember the next year they did West Side Story and my mom wouldn't let me go. And I was Ooh. so mad <laughs> that like not been like a couple years afterwards they did a chorus line and she did let me go. And then she had to answer, Mom, what did TNA stand for? <laughs> she was probably wishing she let me go. I was going to say, she let me go to West Side Story. It's not, you know, yeah, West Side Story is fine. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, so oh, that wow. was it. And then the other big thing for me was when we had originally talked about doing this, I had said I wanted to do the 1996 production mm-hmm. of Chicago. Production of Chicago, yeah. And my other big entryway to this is actually B.B. Newworth. Because when I was oh. when I was a young homosexual, not yet fully realized sure. what I was, I would watch Cheers with my dad, mm-hmm. and I liked Lilith. Mm-hmm. Lilith was my favorite character. I have a theory that if you were a gay child in the '90s and you watched Cheers, Lilith was your favorite character <laughs> because <laughs> she spent a lot of time telling these dopes shut up, and she mm-hmm. she wasn't desperate like Frasier was. She didn't want their approval. Mm-hmm. And she actually got it over on them sometimes. So she she was like a real outlier on that show. I mean, and she was only on it for like three or four seasons. She actually wasn't mm-hmm. on it for that long. Yeah. And so I I just fell in love with that character. And then when she left, and I my mom or dad told me, oh no, she went to, she went to do Broadway. And I was like, wait, that that woman does Broadway. That woman does theater. And they showed me a picture of her in Damn Yankees, where she had like the blonde wig on doing Roma. Right. Yeah. And I was like, that's the same person. <laughs> Yeah. That's like, and those, those I would say are my two, my two big entryways into it. High school theater and uh, our community theater and BB Newer. And BB Newer. High school theater. It wasn't school, It was high school theater. theater? It okay. was high school theater. <laughs> high school theater and BB Newer. High school's doing chorus line. That's pretty, that's, that's intense. Yeah. My high school director who, who left right before I got to high school was very like, he was good. He was a good director. Say, the shows were pretty solid and it was kind of known that like they were good and then mm-hmm. he left like two years before i got there and the shows were they were fine 
<laughs> they also existed. Sure. They were also pieces of theater. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Those are some ambitious shows you had, you had run in there. Uh, well, that, I mean, that seems pretty, pretty typical, I would say of a, mm-hmm. of a young uh, uh, actor, performer, writer to be. So how did you, you then decided to start acting? Was that sort of yeah. your, your entree in? Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. I, I did. Uh, I started acting in high school and then the lo- we had a local uh, theater company in Rhinebeck and they were going to do the old Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe. And so mm. that would, so they needed kids. So I, I did that and I got to play Edmund, who is easily the best character in that show. Looking back <laughs> on it, I was like, I didn't realize what I had there. Yeah. Um, uh, and He's then got an arc. Just, yeah, exactly. <laughs> he, he changes. He, he changes. He betrays everybody. You know? Right. Um, and then every, everything from there just took off and, you know, that's what I wanted to do. And, then, and when did you make a switch over to sort of doing more writing and things and things like that? Uh, I switched uh, not to bring everyone down, oh. uh, but my, my father died uh, very suddenly uh, in 2017. Mm. And after that, it was like, I can't access the vulnerability I need to access in order to go on stage easily because mm. I am too, I'm too raw all the time. And I'm like, you know, hmm. I, I can't do it. I, I don't trust myself almost. And, and at that point too, I was, you know, I was getting older and things had not really picked up in a way that I was sustaining myself. And I wanted to, I wanted to just make my own stuff. I was like, I don't want to wait for someone to cast me anymore. I want to do something that I'm somewhat in control of. And so Eric and I started writing together and we started kicking around ideas. And then we came up with the idea of doing a podcast. Cause I was like, all right, I, my husband, very lucky is very tech savvy. So I was like, well, we can just ask Vinay to figure out all the wires <laughs> and then we just have to sit there and kind of talk to each other, which we're sure. very good at. Uh, and, and that's been very good for me. Cause it's like, okay, hey, this is my thing. I'm proud of it. I can put it out there in the world. And, you know, I always love doing comedy and making people laugh. And that's what I like doing the most. And that's in my control. And now I get to do it and I get to make people happy. Hopefully. Sure. Well, I do. Well, I think you do. No, I mean, oh, the, 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 that age well does is it, it really is a great examination of uh, the, the thing that I think is the only true test of, of art, which is time. We all, they also got so much crazier in the 80s. Like it, like we also mm-hmm. did The Last Unicorn recently. And I was like, this is a is this a movie? I don't even know what was happening. So that's what's so interesting about listening to you guys talk, because it, it has really struck something in me that. I find to be more and more true as time goes by, which is that everyone now basically understands story structure. Like Mm -hmm. every, every audience member understands story structure, even if you don't think you do. And it, and, and everything you watch is exists in the sort of like call it what you will save the cat Chekhov's gun sort of like where like literally everything comes up. And then anything that is brought up will be dealt with and handled. Things will come together in a neat way. It will, it will mm-hmm. peace. It will hold. And stuff from the seventies and eighties and early nineties didn't do that all the time. Some of it did. Some of it yeah. absolutely did. That was like, they, that wasn't invented by Blake Snyder, but there was also an equal amount of stuff that just sort of, it was like it's it's a movie because it's two hours and these people yeah. are in it and they talk for a while and like there's there's a there's there's a story yeah but like sometimes they like go to a diner and like literally nothing happens like a scene nothing that you happens absolutely take out of the film <laughs> but it's great like I still sort of yeah, very, yeah. very much enjoy it and listening to you guys be like I don't know like you said with last unit I don't know that this is a movie but it was interesting to watch yeah it's such I was a great experience I think yeah. I now understand shrooms much better than I did See? before right. you know it was okay, an experience sure. you know right yeah. Even like some of the great ones, like I remember I watched Jurassic Park for it and I was like, this movie is really shaggy. That's oh, not you bad. Think so? it's, you it's, think it's like, shaggy? It like by by which I just mean like, oh look, there's um there's this uh uh the the shaving cream container with the dinosaur eggs. Mm-hmm. We're yeah. just gonna throw that down and leave that. We're not gonna bring that up again. For the oh, rest I of see the what movie. you mean. There are loose ends. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Loose ends yeah, yeah. and mm-hmm. like like, oh, Ellie's a botanist, but she doesn't need that. To right. re- exist in this movie. <laughs> right. Like I'm like, I'm waiting for her to know, oh no, we can eat this plant and we're gonna be able to survive something, or or this this puts dinosaurs to sleep or something. 
like that right. doesn't come up. It's like, no, she's just nope. a botanist. She's just a botanist. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's just part of the thing. Yeah. It's just yeah. Her, it's color. It all just becomes like shit. Well, like, yeah. like even like Jeff Goldblum's character in that being a, a chaotician, like it just, he exists to predict that things will go wrong. To be Jeff Goldblum. Right. To- which you, <laughs> you kind of already know things are going to go wrong because I saw the trailer. Like this, right. is, this is why I'm watching the movie, but you know, yeah, I, I think that, yeah, that's a very that's an interesting point about that. I mean, that's ninety three. That's not that long yeah. ago in the in the sort of scheme of things. But now everything has to be tight, tight. in a way mm-hmm. that I find very boring. Like I, it's not sure. wrong, but I, I I was talking to my brother about this the other day. Like I have a real problem enjoying things, okay? Because it's very easy for me to figure out what's going to happen. Um, just from like having done this for a very long time, I teach screenwriting. I teach all this, like it, it mm-hmm. just, I'm just immersed in it. And so, you know, I can tell what a movie's going to be like, like how the movie's going to end from the trailer. And like, that's that yeah. sort of, so I don't really even want to see it to begin with most of the time. It's worse in television for me than it is in movies, but it was like I, the other day I was watching an episode on Amazon prime. I've been watching a lot of stuff from the seventies because it doesn't follow this stuff. I'm watching an episode mm-hmm. of, of Barney Miller. Um, it's a great show if you've never seen it. And uh, but like it, it, there was a moment where I was like, oh, this is what's going to happen. Like this character who they've introduced is going to meet this character and that'll solve the problem. Nope. This character just came on, said some funny stuff and left. And this character <laughs> came on, left. said some funny stuff and left. And I was like, huh, oh, OK. Oh, interesting. Yeah, they got me. That's fine. They got me. You, you figured it out. And I had <laughs> to remember like, oh, right. Like they just were writing 22 minutes of material. Basically, they weren't yeah. really like there's a plot. Like I say, yeah. don't resolve the plot. But everything else is just color. And yeah. it's just. It could go somewhere or it could not. I find and, myself really enjoying those, like um, the, the one that immediately springs to my mind. I don't know if you're watching Somebody Somewhere on HBO, the British oh, Everett no. show. No. That, that is this extremely, um, it, it just kind of floats along. And mm. it's just about this. And, and there's, there is a story, but it's not first act, second act, third act. It's not like mm-hmm. conflict, you know, further right. conflict resolution kind of thing. It, it, it's this, slice of life and if you have great performers doing that like Bridget Everett there's a scene in this episode that just aired which is I mean the season's probably over by the time this airs but where she's she's taking vocal lessons and I uh when I was young I always I'm very nervous about singing like Mm. I'll sing off the cuff and that's fine but with a piano with keys with like okay you're off key like that makes me very nervous and they have this scene of her taking a vocal lesson and she's just like crumbling and vulnerable and like trying to breathe deeply. And then the breathing deeply is causing more emotion to come up. And it's sure. just like this thing that's like, this isn't really, I mean, it's a plot point. You're understanding something about her, but it's just fascinating to watch this actress mm-hmm. show people. Like I was watching it with my husband who is not in any way in the creative field. Sure. And he, he was like, what's going on? <laughs> I, was like, I was like, well, she, she's breathing deeply and she's accessing emotion and she's very nervous and she, and her defenses are crumbling. He's like, why? <laughs> like well because because she's breathing like because she's just, breathing and trust like, me okay just trust me <laughs> he's like looking at me like what are you talking about <laughs> that's like, funny. This is fascinating she should have won an emmy and he's like i don't understand <laughs> <laughs> well that's a, but that's what i that's one of the stuff that i end up liking is the stuff that's more character focused and less yes. plot focused because mm-hmm. what the, the dirty little secret that nobody talks about is that plot beats actually are character beats mm-hmm. like you can use that same structure just keep it on the, like what should be happening at these moments isn't something in the plot. Who cares about the plot? What we're dealing with is character and to swing it back to Kimberly Akimbo, but also yes. to swing it back to like every Janine Tesori musical. And actually I think most great musicals, the plot isn't the thing, you know, like musicals don't hinge on plot. They at hinge all. on character. Mm-hmm. And the, 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 the more complicated the plot of a musical, that's why mystery musicals I think are just generally, mm-hmm. Weird. terrible yeah <laughs> because they like mysteries are the plot heaviest thing in the world because you have to solve the mystery at the right. end of the thing and one of the reasons i think the mystery of edwin drood succeeds where others fail is that the ending doesn't matter because we don't know what the ending is so we have the audience mm-hmm. picks the ending and then we just go on so it ends up then again being about characters but we talked not too long ago about nick and nora on this podcast uh, with Steven Spotswood and that has like an incredibly complicated mystery in it that doesn't make any sense and they don't resolve <laughs> it very well and part of the reason they don't resolve it is because like they don't have time like you can't yeah 
the most boring songs in musicals. And actually it was one of the things I was worried about listening to this are songs like how to wash a check where mm-hmm. it's like characters doing a thing and singing about doing a thing. exposition. Exactly. Or even just action reinforcement. Like I mm-hmm. find that to be incredibly boring and it's a, not an uncommon song in shows to be like, like we're mm-hmm. going to put a song here in the middle of act one or the beginning of act two. That is a fun song about like, I'm going to teach you how to fold a sheet. And like, that's yeah. the bit. And like we're going to do an action and the action drives the song. But ultimately those things wind up being incredibly boring unless they're about something else. And that's why how to wash a check works that it it isn't about how to wash a check. That's the framework. What it's really about is you see how kind of Machiavellian Deborah is and how yeah. she can like very easily manipulate these kids into committing a very bad crime. <laughs> and, but also you see the kids get good at the, at the thing, which oh, they yeah. need to do in order for the story to resolve later. So it serves two functions at the same, at the same time. And it's not just a like kind of bouncy process song. Totally. So it, it, it's that like that's what I'm really always ultimately interested in, I think, as characters and all of Janine Tesori's musicals, which is interesting to praise her for, because obviously she writes music and not lyrics or book. Um, but she must be drawn to incredibly strong characters and character situations. And, and her music sounds so different for each of these characters. I feel like mm-hmm. you could you could almost listen to the songs without the lyrics and you could probably go, Oh, that's a, that that's a Deborah song. Oh, mm-hmm. that's a Seth song. Like, Oh yeah, absolutely. His song, uh, the good one where he's saying, singing about being a good kid, a quote unquote mm-hmm. good kid. And what has it gotten me? And then the line that he has at the end when he says, the good kid, the good boy, the good one. The wrong thing, the right choice In the long run, what has it gotten me? Being good, what has it gotten me? Being good Being good And that, I was like, that's a Sondheim Mm-hmm. line oh yeah thought L- yes. like where you have to go wait what is what does that mean oh yeah. oh oh it's morally gray that's what he's saying <laughs> there's right it's not just black and white it's not right or wrong it's this is may not be you know this is a federal offense that i'm doing but i actually think it's the right thing to do in this case you know i also think the musical does such a good job of you know so many times in musicals like these people meet and now they're in love because yes. that's what we need. And this musical very deliberately shows you Kimberly developing a crush. There's a whole song about her mm-hmm. developing a crush on Seth. And then they really hold him back from it for a long time. It's actually more in the book scenes that you see him maybe not even get a crush, but just simply enjoy being around her. Yes. Oh, you're easy to be around. Yes. I, like you get something in me. You know, when, when to bring up the death of my father again, which is my favorite topic, when, <laughs> when you start talking to someone else who has lost a parent or something, mm-hmm. and you can kind of drop a little bit of the facade of like, oh, yeah, it's going to get better. You know, it's not going to get right. better. It's always going to suck. You're just going to kind of learn to live with it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and like, and, and that the ending of their story is so good. And he, the fact that this is his stage debut, essentially. Yeah. Is, fascinating to me because he is so good and he plays it very big Mm -hmm. even for even for the stage like he is playing nerd like he Mm -hmm. is giving a lot of nerd the the vocal choices and the you know and it really works and i i really have to respect it like it's and he and victoria clark have this just fantastic chemistry to to watch they just they they work together and there are all these like great little motifs in the in the show about like in the in the first in her in her i want song kimberly's mm-hmm. singing to the make-a-wish foundation and she keeps saying i want to be beautiful for a day or i'm going to go somewhere beautiful and then like two songs later deborah is singing about the pit of moral decrepitude that is her past and she yeah. keeps saying let me assure you this dress was beautiful let me assure mm-hmm. you that these jewels were beautiful. Yeah. And it takes the same word and it, it's like, Kimberly wants to be beautiful. Okay. This woman is sick. all this stuff was beautiful. My life's still shit. Right. You know? Yeah. And, and, and 
it, it's just very interesting and very complex and very, there's all this stuff like that. Like when Seth sings about being a good kid, the next song, Buddy starts saying, I'm a good guy. I'm a mm-hmm. good guy. Right. <laughs> and it's all these little echoes that are like, oh, you're really taking something and turning it on its head right after you established one truth about it, you know? Right. Well, and it's that, it's that the, it, again, it's the maturity of knowing, like, what does that mean? What does it mean that right. something's beautiful? What does it mean to be a good part? Like, what does it really mean to be a good guy? Yeah. And like, and what is the value of beauty? The actual right. value. What is the it? actual value? Like, what do we get out of this thing? Because the, the great thing about Deborah uh, is that she's not wrong. She's no. just way too much like it's it, she's wrong <laughs> she's, she's not wrong in the broad sense her specifics are yeah. terribly like horribly wrong yeah um and she certainly at least committed manslaughter as we find out if not like yeah. i wouldn't call it yeah. first degree murder but she definitely a little killed, light manslaughter a little light manslaughter involuntary involuntary man well could you even call i don't know if you could even i mean who knows i don't know what the law is what certainly is the law when you planned what is the law when you frighten someone to death by accident what do they call that you did mean to frighten them, but you didn't mean. How for do you them say to that die. in Latin? Yeah, third degree murder. Is that a thing that exists in the world? Uh, it is like, yeah. I mean, these people are just absolutely. They're not. They're looking at all the trappings. They're mm-hmm. not really dealing with what's going on, and that's what actually makes sort of the emotional high point of the show to me. Um, right before our inevitable turn is our disease. There's a plot point uh-huh. in the show where Seth and Kimberly, they have to give a science presentation as part of the their, you know, just general being in high school. And they decide to do have to do presentations on disease and biology. And Seth talks Kimberly into doing their presentation on her disease. Yeah. And you see a couple of the other presentations, which are pretty funny. And then they get up and give the presentation about Kimberly's disease. And she almost immediately realizes this was a mistake. Some symptoms may include wrinkled skin, stiff joints, hip dislocations. Arthrosclerosis. This was a terrible idea. Hypertension. Look how they're looking at me. Presbycusis. Like I'm a slide, I'm a chart, I'm a freak on display. Well, what about Exhibit B? You want to know what I see? In the middle of realizing it's it's awful and having kind of a quasi-panic attack, mm-hmm. she she realizes the truth of her, the grand truth of her situation, which is also hinted at a little bit before in the Skater Planet reprise when they're playing Uno and Seth inadvertently drops a truth bomb on everybody that like, this is all temporary. We're going to get old. And then our real life will be kids. Yeah. Like, well, all of us, except one of us, whoops, a doom right. didn't mean to say that. Yeah. Uh, he doesn't even realize what he said kind of in that moment. Yeah. They just blow right past it. They just it. blow right past it, but it trips Kimberly into then the next song where she sort of realizes that, I mean, the great line in, in the song being that like, you know, your problem is, is adolescence and the cure is getting old and I'm getting, my problem is getting old and there is no mm-hmm. cure. Like that yeah. is, that's just what it is. And it then makes her like, that's the moment to me where she really breaks out. Mm-hmm. And that then they, they have the, the patience, the unbelievable patience and wisdom to then wait out her actual leaving until the end, like to really let that play, to have her have the realization, but go, that doesn't mean she's ready to do the thing yet, but mm-hmm. she knows, I think in that moment, what she has to do. She, yeah, knows, she knows she has to do it. And then they still, the, the other dream still hasn't fallen apart. She's like got to get thing, the courage. I mean, she has, to, yeah. she has to earn, like, just because you know what the right thing to do is doesn't mean you're going to do yeah. it. Yeah. She knows her family's going to be a mess. She knows yeah. it's going to happen, but she's still hoping they're not going to, and they haven't failed. The straw has not yet broken the camel's back. Yep. And the next thing she does is go home. Like in that I want song, she says, I want a simple home cooked meal. I want everyone to sit down and to have a nice time. And, Look, Kimberly's going to get to go bungee jumping and they get to go swimming in a waterfall in New Zealand, but she's not going to get No, that. she's not going to get the nice home cooked meal. They're not those people. They're just no. they're just super not. It's not a lyric surprise. Did we talk enough about Victoria Clark and how good she is in this? We can talk a lot about Victoria Clark and how I just, good she is. I just want to make sure to drill put down, it down on that, that a little bit. Yeah, yeah. She's so good in this. <laughs> she's so good. 
<laughs> I feel like I didn't give her enough props. Well, I think everybody's real. I mean, that, but that's the hard thing of it is like when you're talking about stuff like this, it's like when everybody's good, it's sort yeah, of yeah. like, well, like, who do you? Yeah. No, do you no, have, weak yeah. part, no weak points. But right. I mean, the whole thing crumbles without her, like without. Oh, sure. Without her physical performance when you're watching her, because at one point, sometimes you forget that she's not really 16. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes you're looking at her and you're like, why is that 60 year old woman dressed in nineties, <laughs> like girly clothes like this, mm-hmm. you know, and, and it's, she's just, there's no pushing, there's no indicating, there's no playing at being 16. She mm-hmm. just, it's just a really wonderful acting performance on top of the lyric soprano that mm-hmm. she's giving us. And then, then, and then we get into the inevitable turn and then, you know, obviously Kimberly has a, a, some something goes like she has to go to the hospital as is, mm-hmm. is, is sort of the, the moment a moment you knew was going to happen in the show eventually but you sort of yeah still comes surprising because it doesn't happen where you think it's going to happen and because i they really do foreshadow it a couple times musically where oh, it's yeah. like like i because i assumed in the first one that she was going to have that was going to happen at the end of act one like i said and then when it didn't i was like oh maybe it'll happen during our disease like she'll be talking about her disease and then the oh mm-hmm. ironically she nope we go right through that song and everything she doesn't even really have any consequences for her inner monologue like it just nope. sort of they give the presentation and that and moves goes, along Ha-cha! yeah <laughs> <laughs> Like, can I cover this with a yeah, little bit of with a little bit of flourish and yeah. not, not screw everything up? And maybe nobody will notice what a mess I am right at this yeah. second. And then it comes at the end of the inevitable turn, which is the inevitable turn. She's yep. going to get too sick to function. God, these people are very clever writers. This mm-hmm. also has in it, I noticed something else that that's similarity to Fun Home. I don't know how well you know Fun Home. I know um, pretty well. At the end of at the end of the show, Bruce's big climactic number, Edges of the World. Mm-hmm. Um, when he does step in front of the move, the the truck, yeah. Um, there's a great moment in the orchestration where the uh, cellos switch and make the sound of a horn. They make a dissonant chord oh, yes, to be yes, the sound yes, yes. of a car horn. Mm-hmm. But when the sunlight hits the parlor wall at certain times of day. I see how fine this house could be. I see it so damn clear. Oh my God, why am I standing here? So that sort of happens at the end of the inevitable turn where. I don't know what the instrument is off the top of my head, but there's a like pinging sound of that is just in the orchestration that then slowly becomes the very familiar sound of a heart monitor uh-huh. in the hospital. Do you ever stop? Kim? Oh my god, what's happening? Buddy, help Kimmy? And yeah. it really, and I was just like, God, you just, that's, that's such a, gen- I don't know if that's something she does or if that's something she brings out in her, you know, in the orchestrators that she works with. Um, but it was, it felt like such a Janine Tesori touch. When I took my mom, we were at a Wednesday matinee mm-hmm. and it wasn't full, but sure. it wasn't empty. And I was like, okay. And it's at a tiny, it's at a small theater. It's at the booth. It's at I the think. booth. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so it's a small theater and I'm like, all right, if this wins some Tonys, and pe- more people hear about it. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, and my mom isn't a, you know, huge theater person. She's not like, she, you know, she kind of listens to stuff that I listen to. And, you know, she, she's gotten into Sondheim because when he died, she started just reading about him. And now she like, you know, we, we listened to the Into the Woods soundtrack together last sure. time we were driving somewhere. But she loved it. And she, she just said, <laughs> she, her favorite line in it was, When life gives you lemons gives you lemons when life gives you lemons you gotta go out you gotta go out you gotta go out you gotta go out and 
but then she said, you know, she was crying at the end of it too. She said, oh, this is wonderful. I love this. It was, it's, it's something that is not, you want a big tap dance, hacha, soft shoe number thing. That's not what this is, but I think it but could it run for a little fun. while. But it is, it I mean, is like funny. the thing of it is, is like, it, it has, it has all the hallmarks of a teenage musical. The mm-hmm. score is really rooted in the fact that these characters are 16 yeah. and the songs are fun and funny yeah. and very easily accessible. And the only problem like it has PR wise, I think is the fact that you're like, well, it's about a teenage girl who has a disease that makes her age really quickly. Yeah. But like, because you immediately then have to go, but it's really funny. Like, trust yeah. me, it's really funny. It's and, been like Kimberly Akimbo, a really right. funny new musical. It's really funny. <laughs> Swear to God, it's funny. Like, and it, I think the marketing has been pretty good in that sense of like bright colors mm-hmm. and keeping it all like, no, this is light. Like, keep it. It's a light yeah. show. Um, but it's, I mean, it's been running for since uh, October. It's been running for 200 performances now. And it, I really, I mean, I think obviously the listeners know because I told you at the beginning. I really think it's going to win Best Musical. I think that will kick it into gear for a while. Yeah. Um, and give it the audience it deserves. Paul, I have to ask. I think you said it, but let's make, let's see if you confirm. Mm-hmm. What is your favorite song in Kimberly Akimbo? I okay. So it's Father. Time. It, you're going to go with Father Time. I'm okay. going to go with Father Time. But I Father Time. In, I because I listened to it about three times over the last two days, and I was really getting into some of the the talkier numbers. Sure. And and I have to say that first act finale, uh, mm-hmm. maybe this time was mm-hmm. really getting me. And then before I go, was like I'm like, oh, both of these songs are great. And then good, I love so many of these songs. It's but great, it, yeah, yeah. I mean, Father really... Time is almost like a song I can just put. Father Time, you can almost just put on like a mix. It doesn't mm-hmm. have to. It's not required. The whole arc isn't required for Father Time. Father Time is like a little monologue that you can yeah. understand in and of itself. Mm-hmm. That is sort of unintentionally. Yeah. <laughs> well, intentionally from a writing standpoint, but unintentionally for the character, like incredibly <laughs> prophetic and sad, like when you yeah. really think about it uh, in a real genuinely serious way. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's 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 a really great show. These characters are wild. They are completely unequipped to handle the world. And that's so much fun to watch. So highly recommend. Oh, yeah. Really Absolutely. Also highly recommend that aged well. Uh, oh, so tell the folks where can they find you and Erica every week? Uh, talking about the pop culture that yeah. some of us grew up with. <laughs> right. I, I heard that. I heard that you asked Erica this, and she completely biffed it. So everyone can, everyone can prepare for that. I wasn't going to rat her out, but she did say Paul's going to be so mad at me. When I, I heard she got invited to a party and showed up with no pants. Like this is <laughs> essentially what it was happened. Fine. It was. I'm sure I edited it in such a way that made it even more fine than it already was. But uh, yes, yes, but tell the folks about uh, about that aged well. That aged well, we we watch movies mostly, sometimes TV uh, from the eighties and nineties, and we talk about how racist and sexist and homophobic it is, but also in a fun way. It's kind of like Kimberly Akimbo. It there sounds go, like dreary, but it's funny. It's really funny. We make lots of sex jokes, mm-hmm. lots of like we talked about beating the beast and also human urinals. The same episode. So how do we get there? You'll have to listen and find out. I think that's a pretty straight line, though. Like, yeah. if you think about it for a second, like Let's that line is not it. as twisty yeah. as maybe you think it is, gang. <laughs> uh, yeah, new episodes uh, every Monday on your mm-hmm. on your favorite podcast app. Uh, we're on Twitter, That Aged Well Pod. We're on Instagram at That Aged Well. Uh, we're launching a Patreon in July. So, you know, go. Oh, yes. Listen to our, you know, find a movie you know and listen to that one. You don't have to listen in order skip around oh yeah skip around highly recommend there's there's lots of stuff in there it's all great but i but yeah i I start with start with ones you've seen i would recommend or music just pick a musical and run with it (laughs) this podcast there's plenty in there you'll love it yeah yeah. paul thank you so much thank you so much for having me this was fantastic father time slow down the day Don't let the dark come and steal it away For goodness sake We're still awake And baby wants to play Father time 
Cast is produced and edited by me, Patrick Flynn. Please rate and review the original cast on your podcatcher of choice. It's the easiest way to help other listeners find the show. Go to bit.ly slash originalcaststore for original cast merchandise like t-shirts, tote bags, and more. Become a patron of the original cast at patreon.com slash originalcastpod so you can listen to our bonus podcast, The Original Cast at the Movies. On the socials, we're at originalcastpod. Special thanks to our social media manager, Bethany Zalecki. Hi, Bethany. My thanks to Paul Keola for coming and talking to me. I'm Patrick Flynn, and I can't. I have rehearsal. Father, here.